Welcome back to Scrap City Sports, your favorite place for all things Chicago sports and sports around the league. I'm Josh, along here with Carmen and Christopher today. Going to be talking some Super Bowl, going to be talking some Bulls uh, and their struggles. We're going to talk a little bit about some All-Star Weekend and coming up here and just everything else that we have on the table. But we got a little bit of a throwback from last, uh, last time with the uh, Super Bowl predictions. Speaking of, speaking of Super Bowls, we should, we should roll back to uh, what does everybody think is going to happen? We'll give, let's give some predictions, some extra insight in the game. Let's, let's, let's finish this off, right? Super Bowl special. I'm going to go, because like, everyone knows the Chef's 9-1, right, in the playoffs this year. I'm going to go with what I've been saying all year. I drafted him in fantasy. He led me to almost winning a championship. I'm going with Cam and the Carolina Panthers, man. I, I, I think this is their year. I think they can't be stopped. I'm going 31-20. Score alert, or not score alert, but a Texan prediction from Josh. Uh, he has taken the Panthers 27-21. I still think Denver pulls this one out. Said that uh, they were the most dangerous team in the playoffs because we don't really know what to expect what to expect out of them. But what we do know still is that they have the best defense in the NFL. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with my brother, and I'm going to take Denver. And I'm going to drop a little knowledge on you guys on why I think Denver is going to win. Seven times in NFL history, number one offense versus number one defense. Does anybody know the record of the offense versus the defense winning? Oh, it's got to be something lopsided or something. Yeah, yeah it's, it's oh, one and six. That's what I was thinking. Defense one and something. One and six. So I'm going to continue that trend since Denver's defense is so dominated. Next Sunday, the, the uh, tally will be seven to one defense versus offense. And I'm going to go with Denver winning 27-23. Sadly, we had Carmen be correct on that, and we have to listen to him continue to remind us that he was right on that, and Chef Roy is very... Well, it wasn't just uh, me. Christopher, too. Well, yeah, but Christopher's not as smug as you, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> nobody nobody is mad at Christopher for being right, because he doesn't try to rub it in people's faces. Um, yeah, no, that was a, it was a very good game. Uh, what did you guys think about uh, the game, about the... Not just the outcome, um, but about the game in general? Uh, I thought the game was pretty good for the most part it, it wasn't you know it wasn't a one-sided affair like it was a couple years ago with uh seattle and denver that was just brutal yeah that was a, that was a bad that was a bad game um and you know it wasn't a nail biter like it was last year but it was still it was still closely contested until you know what four three or four minutes left in the fourth quarter yeah so i mean it, it, it was it was a one possession game and 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 carolina still had a chance you know even uh, before the the Broncos' final touchdown, uh, to finally seal them seal them away. Yeah, you had to watch uh, until the th- end. There was a ch- there was a chance that Carolina could have scored because I mean they have they've had a reputation all year of getting quick strikes. So you know if Ted Ginn were to get loose and you know you know break out a uh you know a long touchdown reception or or, or a long uh, scramble play from Cam Newton, you know things could change. So, he has to catch the ball first to be able to get loose. Yeah, that was a, that's been his deal it, all it was just, year. You know His what? Whole I, I was, yeah. I was, um, 
I was cheering for Denver, of course, because you know that's yeah. You know, I, I didn't pick, just pick them because I believe they win it. I just I I thought they should have won, uh, and I, I I wanted them to win. And you know everything around about Carolina, I, I don't really like except for you know a, a few a few players on the team. Um, so you know I was pulling for Denver pretty hard on this one, and uh, you know wound up with a good outcome in my case, but. Um, yeah, the the game the game was entertaining in in my opinion. I, I liked that. I thought that, um, like I said, it, like you said, it was it was pretty good all the way through. There was not any, uh, there was never any time where you're like, yeah, this is over. Yep, yeah, this is done. There was always an opportunity, and so it was just really good, solid uh, and, football. And, and for the most part, it wasn't like punt after punt yeah. after punt. At, you know, it was there was score there was there was a good good amount of scoring mixed in, and you know, strategy. Uh, along with that, you know, field position and such, um, going back and forth, especially with the turnovers that Carolina was giving Denver. But um, I mean, I thought I still thought, you know, for a good majority of the game that Carolina was gonna was gonna pull it out. You know, they they they, they were gonna pull some sort of you know heroic comeback or you know mount a lead. You know, not a not a great lead, but a, a lead where you know Denver couldn't have come back from because their offense isn't as explosive as Carolina. So well, and Peyton Manning is getting old and not able to really, you know, he, he, he did what he needed to do, but that defense and is was, what saved them. So again, and there Carmen, was a, kudos there was, for that as much as I don't want to give it to you, but, and there was a lot of chance. There was a lot of chances in that game for, uh, for Carolina to come back to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I got, I, I just take a, I think I take a different take on the whole Super Bowl. I thought it was pretty terrible personally. Um, I mean, how many touchdowns in that game was there? One or two? One? Three. No, how many? Three. three. There were three. Three total. Yeah, yeah, but one was defense. Yeah, but it's still a touchdown. Yeah, I know, but it's three. That's that's not even one per quarter from two teams. I mean, that's. I they don't were. Know. They, I mean, the two, for the Super Bowl, I, I expect the two offensive touchdowns were. So short. you want the Super Bowl to be like what we're watching now, the uh, USA versus World All Star Game, where it's sixty-two to fifty-eight in the first quarter. No, I, I want like <laughs> like an actual. I mean, that's that's a that's a if that's a regular season game, that's a boring game. I mean, to put it on, put it as a showcase with everybody watching. I don't know. I just it was it was. I thought it was bad. I mean, well, but you you also you Denver's also, defense made you also it. had two two upper yeah. level defenses. No, no I know. I know. You know I mean, I know. I know why other, so. it was bad. I'm just saying. I just you, you expect like some some. I mean, you, you expect some wrinkles you, or something that defenses haven't seen. You know, some a trick play or something. To basically, put some basically, you were spoiled by last year's Super Bowl. Yeah, because last year's Super Bowl was really really entertaining. I didn't, I didn't you know? even watch last year's Super Bowl, but. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I was working, but okay, fair enough. I guess yeah, you do have. Um, I just, but yeah, I just I don't know. I just I, I just expected more. I mean, I, you saw one play. It was in, I think it was Carolina in the second half where Cam Newton threw the ball to I want to say it was Ted Ginn, but I'm not sure. And you could totally tell he Ted Ginn was looking to throw it on that screen pass, but it wound up not doing it. Yeah, it was like an end around or like something. like that's what I was looking for. But I was looking for something like where they actually do it and it's completed and it's a big plan. You know, it just jump starts everything and you know blah blah blah. I don't know. I just. I just thought it was very lackluster. I mean, I, I knew both defenses were really good, and I knew it was going to be a hard-fought game, but I just I expected more out of Peyton Manning, and I expected a lot more out of Cam Newton, and it just it, he just never really showed up. I, I agree with you, the expect, expectations on, on Cam Newton. I expected a lot more of him, and he didn't show up. I, I didn't expect too much from Peyton Manning because he's old. I mean, like, really old, like, in football terms, and he's hurt. And for and the he's last... he's down, I mean, and he hasn't even played. And, like, I mean, you name everything that Peyton Manning had to overcome for that, he had to overcome for that because... That's just I don't know. I guess it's to me. It's like it's funny to me that that Peyton Manning, who you know I've always said is pretty terrible in the playoffs and isn't clutch in the playoffs, and I wouldn't put him in my top ten quarterbacks for the playoffs, 
and he wins a Super Bowl and arguably, no, not arguably, in clearly his worst season of his career, which I think is just kind of funny because like he had the, he had the least amount of of you know of, of just offensive efficiency and, and, and firepower this year, and he won a Super Bowl when he's had past years where he hasn't even gotten out of the first round. He's been lights out. Awesome. His team's been awesome, and you know this is the year that he wins the second Super Bowl, and not any of those other previous years. I just think. And this is this just goes to show that this was the best defense he's ever been on, the best defensive team he's ever been. Yeah, on. Yeah, no, so, I mean that's I mean that that Denver defense is could, could I mean I don't think it's the best defense of all time, but it's in that conversation of really good. Oh, defense. I mean it's a top yeah. five probably of all time defense. It was that good. And anyway, no, I know I get that. Respect. That's what I'm saying though. It's like to me, it's just kind of. It's kind of funny, and I'm not like a I'm not a Peyton Manning guy. I never really liked him for some reason. I don't have anything against him. I just never really cared for him, and just is it's kind of sad to see him such a great quarterback with kind of bad luck in the playoffs, um, just win and just not be at his best. Versus like you know going if you're going to go out like that and you're a quarterback and you're that good, that would be like that would be like Jordan winning on I know I'm not comparing Jordan Peyton Manning, but Jordan winning on the Wizards but sat on the bench. Yeah, or just like, you know, Jordan's last game with the Bulls, if, you know, he goes out and he doesn't hit the game-winning shot and he scores, you know, six points and has two assists and that's it. Like, it's just, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of sad to me that such a great quarterback like, like that goes out kind of just sputtering okay. and rides his defense, his coattails. Okay, so that's that's your Peyton Manning take. Let me ask you what your thoughts are on the Cam Newton. Because, I mean, Cam Newton was literally a firestorm leading up to with Dabin and... The laughing and Carmen, your your take on his immaculate smile that you go to sleep dreaming about, and then you have on the other side people saying that it's too much and he's cocky and arrogant. I mean, and then you saw what happened in the Super Bowl. Where do you? I mean, what what do you what do you take away from that? Because I mean, that's been literally the talk of the NFL since Super Bowl. It hasn't been Peyton Manning, other than his awesome comments about he's gonna. Drinks a beer and kisses his wife after winning, which I really enjoyed. But <laughs> yeah, I, what's your take on on Cam? Cam, I mean, uh, he's one of those guys. Like, I, I just think that no matter what, no matter what he does, he's a lightning rod for attention. Like, whether he's good, he's bad, or he's great. I mean, people are going to talk about him. There's going to be people that hate him, and I don't know if it goes back to you know his, his roots in college and. And pros and all that. I, I I don't know, but there's definitely a hate for Cam Newton, whether it's race driven or what. But there's a hate for him, and I'm not quite sure why. Yes, he's probably a little cocky. I mean, not probably. He is cocky, and he is <laughs> yeah. very. You know, he is. You know, he, he's confident in what his ability because he's he's a pretty you know dynamic and gifted football player. But like, I mean, he's done that his whole entire career. Like, it's nothing new. It's it's just now he's winning, and it's I think it just gets under people's skin because of the way. You know, it's like like what you were saying with me before. It's like, you know, I may be right in some things and wrong in some things, but when I'm right, sometimes I don't get the credit because I'm very smug about it and all that stuff. It's kind of like Cam Newton. Like, no matter what he does. Are you comparing yourself to Cam Newton? No, 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 I'm not. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, but like, that's what it is. Like, no matter, you know, matter matter how good he is or whatever, he's, there's going to be something wrong with him. Like, oh, it's this or there's that. And I just think that that's what it is. And I mean, people kept on saying, you know, he kept on saying, if you don't want me to do all those antics and do the dab and all that stuff, stop me. Denver stopped him. And that was it. He didn't do it. I mean, and then was, he went and cried like a little baby, but that's the thing. I mean, <laughs> he lost the, he lost the biggest, biggest game of his career. Like, what did you expect him to be dabbing after he lost? Like, no, uh, you're, you're expecting him to have a little bit more respect for his opponent. First of all, because when asked what Denver did, to, you know, to ruffle his feathers or get under his skin to, you know, change the course of the game. He said nothing. He goes, they didn't do anything special. 
Well, I mean, so, I mean, I, I, you, I, he could have just simply said, "That's a great defense that I played," and you know, we really got our butts kicked. And hopefully, next year we could be lifting the trophy instead of them. And that's the end of it. I mean, I, I mean, I guess, I, I guess he could have. He could have. I mean, obviously, but I mean, he lost. I mean, some people just don't handle losing real well. And I mean, the guy went. Losing I am one a, game I'm a very sore well, loser. Yeah, but at the same time, if if you're going to be such a such a crybaby sore loser, then you shouldn't be out there dancing and, and jumping around and dabbing and, and you know and, and and just being a knucklehead out you know after after you score after you you and your team score a touchdown you know taking pictures on the sideline and all that stuff. It's like at some point you got to realize that hey, not that not that he has to do anything for other people. But if he doesn't like it, you know, when, when reporters are shoving uh, microphones in his mouth after, after the game, after he lost, then he should probably be a little bit more low-key during the game. And I understand that's his personality, but, you know, you can't be a little crybaby afterwards when you lose and you get your butt kicked. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's and just answer the questions. I mean, I, he, you know, I See, I'm... I, I I'm never on the side of like I like Cam Newton. The whole aspect of him doing all the antics, all that like that's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. Whatever, I'm okay with that. And I do get that I would probably, if I was in his shoes, I may answer some of those questions a little bit differently, or I may not be dabbing and stuff like that. But I would I would probably have acted exactly the same way that he did when it comes to losing. I mean, I I hate losing. I can't stand it. And so, like Marshawn Lynch is a, a fantastic example. Like. Nobody gets on Marshawn Lynch's case. I mean, and he he celebrates. He grabbed his crotch diving into the end zone. Yeah, but you know, you know, Marshawn Lynch. You know, he's he's also he's also the guy that's not. You know, he, after a loss, after the Super Bowl, he wasn't pouting. He just simply he was he stuck to what he was doing the whole time. It's not you know it's not like that, uh, Cam Newton in the press conference afterwards was just dabbing. Yeah, you know, so it's like he's he he was answering the questions. He was just. He was he was being a sore loser about it. It's like, yeah, I understand that you lost the Super Bowl. I get it. You know, I I get that whole thing. You know, it's it's not easy to get there, and it, you know, it's it's a it's a huge game, and you know, could it, could essentially cement him as you know as the best quarterback in the NFL at this you know at this point of his career, only being you know five years in the NFL is is pretty remarkable, uh, pretty remarkable feat. But you know, at some point, you got to grow up a little bit. Let me ask you this. He said, and, and then we we want to move on. But let me ask you this: He said, if uh, if you if you show somebody that show me somebody that's not a sore loser, I'll show you a loser. Do you agree with that? No, I don't. Why because, not? Because you know it, you could you could have you could even look you know guys on his team that weren't that were answering questions. You know, Greg Olson after the game was answering questions like he's not a sore. He, you think you think guys want to lose? No, I think I think he's a sore loser. I just think that he probably. It just has a different different thought about. It. I mean, think about Peyton Manning. You wouldn't call Peyton Manning a sore loser, would you? But they, when he lost to Drew Brees, you don't want to talk to anybody. He didn't talk to anybody. He was all sorts of peeved right. off. Yeah, yeah, but don't, but they, don't you think though, with with Cam Newton though, in the post game press conference of why he was so pissed was just because of the fact of a lot of that game of why they lost was because of him. Oh yeah, and solely on him. I mean, oh, that yeah. fumble alone. That, but then, that's the that's the game. And I mean, when you when you you know if you lose as a team. You know, maybe you take it a little better, but you know, you basically cost your team the Super Bowl. You kind of take it a little harder than everybody else, and you're, you're like, you know what? You know, at that point, I mean, because because that 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 when he walked out on the interview, I mean, what was that like? Twenty minutes after the game, ten minutes after the game, I mean, 
he was still in, he's still in See, the shower. That's like, the thing. That's the problem is that but, you you get people that get interviewed immediately afterwards. Of course, what do you think is going to happen? You just got done playing a football game. I, you got done playing a game where you're running as fast as some cars go to smash into each other. Yeah, to run into brick walls. And you and and you you lost it. And it's been something that you've been working not only entire year but essentially Cam Newton's been working for his probably entire his entire career. life. Right. I mean, right. to be honest, right. and. Now all of a sudden you're at that pinnacle and you you drop it and you're the one that screwed up. Of course you're gonna be mad about it. And here's here's where I here's why I have a problem with it is that he didn't take that blame on himself. He, he yeah that's actually, where he yeah, diverted a of, lot of that and said we should have caught more passes. Yeah, well maybe and, you should have thrown better balls. And that's exactly yeah, what said, that's exactly he said why completions though like like our high passes or something like that. He I think he he. he he started out listing all these things like that were with his team, and then at the very end, I think he threw something in for himself. Well, great, he threw something in himself. I, mean, I was yeah. a little upset, and I like Cam Newton, but I was upset that he wasn't just taking the blame and saying, like Peyton Manning. Normally, again, we're just comparing; they're both ones in there. Russell Wilson would be the person that would say, "I need to do better. I need to get better." You know, Peyton Manning would say, "I need to better." I know Cam Newton's not, but when you look at somebody that's a competitor and is a team player in general, you take you take the fall for your team. I mean, coaches do it all the time. The best players do it all the time. You take the fall for your or team. Or what you do is you just simply take the fine and don't do the press conference. Yeah. That's that, it. That, End that's, of story. Then I mean, nobody, nobody's even talking about you today. You know? That's true. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's, but that's a good one. And um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so I want to I stay on the Cam Newton thing, but um, that's mine. I'm going to go first, but we got a kick in the head that's going to get that. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Everybody was Damn, I don't know what it is about your face, but I want to deliver one of these right in your suck hole. All right, so kicking the head is an opportunity for us to kick anybody in the head uh, in sports world or otherwise that we just think needs to be kicked in the head. I want to go first because I want to stay on this Cam Newton thing, and if you guys want to jump in for a second, you can. But I want to kick Cam Newton in the head. We have a little punchy thing here. Oh, my bad. <laughs> That's Christopher. Get on this. Get off of Bleacher Report. Um, I want to kick Cam Newton in the head because <laughs> I want to kick Cam Newton in the head because he um the whole I, that, that whole fumble thing um in third quarter was it I believe uh, or was it the fourth, no, fourth. quarter was it, fourth it was like quarter? six minutes left okay. of the game in the fourth quarter when he uh, he fumbled uh, he got strip sack and he fumbled the ball was right in front of him and he did not dive on it he. Um, and actually, it ended up working out a little bit more because the ball got squirted out and he had a better chance of getting it then. But he didn't dive on the ball for it, and I think that he could have gotten it. That's the one thing that I look at, at Cam Newton throughout that, and I say, what are you doing? Why are you not? It seems like you're not putting maximum effort. And he had an answer where he said his leg was contorted differently and he didn't want to get hurt or this, that. But literally, his answer was, so I fumbled, big deal, we didn't lose because of that. And again, it was putting that on other things rather than taking it on himself. And that's what I really struggle with that. So Cam Newton, as much as I like you, you got a big kick in the head for that. My kick in the head is is staying in the same uh, sight line here. And uh, I'm sure everybody at the time was saying this out loud to themselves and out loud and or to themselves. But Aqib Tlaib, you are uh, a jackass. You yes. are a jackass. I mean, you are on the biggest stage of the NFL. You're able to showcase your talents and your ability to be a shutdown quarter. And you're doing petty, stupid things that he's basically done all year, including poke people in the eyes. You know, who was he? Who did he poke in the eyes earlier this year? You guys remember? No. No. Some He poked somebody in the eye. Anyways, then, you know, on, uh, you know, on, on a goal... 
uh, a goal line stand, he takes Carolina's wide receiver and decides to just grab his face mask and whip him down to the ground by his face mask, essentially trying to rip the guy's head off. And then say you tried to rip the guy's head off. And, and Yeah, and then, and then you know, act like, where's the penalty? Why am I getting a penalty? And cry about it. It's like, and then he just had, you know, he had like three penalties right in a row, just like one after another that cost his team, you know, essentially cost his team that touchdown. Because if, 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 uh, if he wouldn't have got those three penalties, the drive would have never been... Uh, prolonged like it was in Carolina would have never gotten the end zone. So, Akeem Tlaib, you get my uh, big old kick in the head. He's not suspended. You guys heard that, He got right? fined. He got fined. 26000 or something like that. I mean, that's a lot, but big whoop to do for Akeem Tlaib. Like, he should have been suspended. All right. My, uh, my kick in the head is going to be former Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver Ocho Cinco, otherwise known as Chad Johnson. And uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this story about how he, he was on, uh, I think it was Mike and Mike in the morning. I listened to it, yeah. Where he where he said that he soaks his ankles in warm urine. Ooh, help, I, didn't, I didn't hear that part. Yes, to help recover from oh. ankle injuries. But the, but the gross part, the, the urine is... is <laughs> the gross part? The gross part, that's not, not it. That, is it would be his teammates' urine. Oh. He would go around and get a sample oh. of urine from all of his teammates and then heat it up and soak his ankle in it. And he says it helps him recover that, Wait, faster. that's a real thing? That's a real thing. That was a real That's a real thing. Because I'm thinking to myself, okay, you'd have to store a lot of pee to fill up a bucket <laughs> to cover your ankle. I mean, think about that. Oh, I wonder if his ankle was bare in there or if he had like a, a booty on or something. Oh, I don't know. But yeah. Oh. yeah Ch- Chad like Ochoacinco soaks, his, soaks his, uh, his ankles in... Teammates, warm urine. To cure uh, ankle sprains. That's what it was for, to cure ankle sprains. Yeah. See, I didn't yeah. hear that part. I just heard the, uh, I just, because it was him and T.O., right? And they were talking. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh-huh. I, yeah. Oh, I must have missed that. I'm glad I missed that. And now you just uh, brought that in. Yeah, just as everyone's probably sitting down to eat dinner or something like that. Well, speaking of stuff soaked in urine, we can talk about the Bulls right now, because that is uh, about as good as they are. Um, Giddy it's, up. It's, it's bad. Circuses are at least fun to watch. That's that's the problem. Is we've literally had conversations where we're embarrassed to watch the Bulls. Yeah, it's it's embarrassing. It's it's it, it's bad. I mean, it's it's re, it's reached like like serious levels of like mid two thousands bad. Like I, I'm hoping heads are going to roll if it continues at this because this is this is this is not a good situation. No matter how you look at it, I mean. I don't know what your guys' opinion of of how you fix things, but I think this, for starters, the guard packs combo is is gotta go. Okay, so real quick, if you don't know, if you don't watch the Bulls, if you're another uh, Chicago sports person, you watch the Bulls. They're what three games over five hundred? Two games. Two 20, games. Uh, twenty six and twenty four. Okay, think. so two games over five hundred. They are seventh in the East. They are seventh in the East. Yeah. They are like a half a game up. Yeah, they're a half a game up on the eighth spot Hornets. So they have gone from third place. They're twenty-seven the East. and twenty-five. They, they, they were second place in the East for a while. Yes, second place in the East, all the way down to seventh, and very close to not making the playoffs if they don't figure stuff out at the All Star break. Their offense has been um, anemic. Yeah, it's stagnant and awkward and dumb, and their defense has been atrocious, atrocious. Um, in the past couple games, they've allowed teams like uh, I'm just trying to think who they just last played um, uh, Phoenix to, uh, which they're not a terrible team, but I mean they're not a prolific team. 
to score stuff, you know, in the hundreds on them. Well, I mean, they got beat, um, they got beat from by Atlanta, who's an okay team by twenty three at home. Yeah, Atlanta, I think at the time was only one game above five hundred. So yeah. yeah, but I'm just saying. I mean, Atlanta last year losing by twenty three wouldn't have been such a big deal. But Atlanta this year is average at best, and they lose by twenty three. At home, and the only good thing that you can say about uh, any of these really losses in the in the recent past is they've been on their kind of road trip circus uh, going on all on the uh, the West Coast. Josh, just to throw this in there, um, among teams that they've lost to, they've lost to the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Timberwolves, and the Hornets. All teams that are currently in the lottery. Yeah, the Jazz loss was a bad one too. They totally screwed that one up real bad. I mean, that that was, that was I mean, they're all winnable games, but the Jazz game. Well, was that was won. the one where they could, should, that was when Derek did the bow. Yeah, after he made that. After he then, made it, and then uh, what's his name from Butler? Uh, Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward just crazy. came back and just trashed them. Um, okay, so your question was what? What do we? What do you? How do you? Fix yeah, how it? do you fix this? How, how do we fix this situation right now? Here's the deal: is you have to. We it's it's the same thing we've been saying all year: is that. Derrick Rose needs to step up and play at an all-star level wherever he is, whether it's him throwing down dunks, which he can't do anymore, or whether it's him just at least being a uh, very top uh, of the league point guard. However, that is, I mean, there's point guards that don't throw down. Steve Nash is a top point guard back in the day, and he didn't just throw it down. He was able to to do his thing. And Jimmy Butler needs to learn how to play in a system with that. Because right now, if you look at the Bulls, uh, I was listening to an interview they don't have a, a starting two guard as Jimmy Butler's not in, like like a, a, a anybody other than Pau Gasol or or Derrick Rose that would start on any other team. They're all bench players. Miritich is a bench player the way that he's playing. Uh, Snell is a bench player the way he's playing. McDermott's a bench player the way that he's playing. Look at everybody that there is. Everybody's a bench player the way they're playing. Not saying they're not good players, but they're all bench players. So you need to lift that talent up, and and if that's 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 got to come right now from Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler because Pau Gasol is the only person putting in work and 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 putting in points. This, I, I mean, maybe this just goes to show how big of a a loss Joakim Noah has been. To be honest with you, because if you look at if you look up and down the roster and even you know front office, the head coach to you know to the roster, the players themselves, you don't really see a guy with that kind of alpha male or you know leadership um, type personality and I, I think that's one thing that they're severely lacking uh, from Joakim Noah is his leadership uh, you know he led his Florida basket college basketball team to to how many championships oh, in a I row hate, so. I hated him at Florida I hated him at Florida sorry I mean he know he, he as, as much as people want to dog on Noah and, and and the player that he's essentially become the last couple seasons he's still a leader and he's he's still a leader of this basketball team and he you know without him without him being out on the floor is a huge, huge blow to the Bulls, and even though his statistics don't say that, but you know his his uh, like I said, his leadership and and his his role on the team is has put a big hole in the, in, in in the Bulls uh, in the Bulls roster. So it's something they definitely need to address. Um, and you know, I don't know how they do that. It's not like you could go to the NBA draft or free agency and be like, I need a leader. <laughs> Let me draft a leader. You know, <laughs> so it, it it just seems like. It just seems like Derrick Rose, he's, he's been like this his whole career, so I can't really knock him for this, but he hasn't really been that guy. He hasn't really been that leader, even though, you know, he's maybe tried to push himself, you know, in the past to, to be more vocal and boisterous, uh, with his teammates. And then you got a guy like Jimmy Butler who wants to be the leader and who wants to be that alpha male type guy, 
um, that just he says he does, but he's not actually doing it and or showing it and you know, maybe his teammates have differing opinions on that. So I, I'm sorry with the whole Jimmy Butler thing, just real quick. I struggle with the fact that again, we, we says for if you're going to be a leader, you need to do what's best for your team to be able to actually win. I mean, that's what leaders do. If if that's what it is, is Kobe Bryant you know, trying to score, you know, a hundred points because he's the only person on the team that can score anything, then that's what he does. But Jimmy Butler doesn't have to do that in the offense that he runs. He has to work the ball around to be able to do it. And when Jimmy Butler gets the ball. It's like we said at the beginning of the year. Taj Gibson's actually gotten better at not being a, a black hole. Jimmy Butler's now become the black hole of where the ball is. That shot is going up no matter what, unless unless somebody's wide open and he's able to get it to him. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think it's I think it stems a lot higher up. And I I mean, I, I at beginning of the year I was not really high, as people know. I wasn't really high on Fred Hoiberg and the hiring. I didn't really agree with it. I didn't like it. Um, I thought they needed a change, but I don't think Hoiberg was the answer. But I don't even put the blame on Hoiberg at this point. I, I don't. I put it on. I look at Gar Pax and just them being inept at running an organization, and then having no accountability for when they do make mistakes. Okay. Now, doesn't this you know you saying that doesn't this give you a little bit more appreciation of a job that Coach Tom Thibodeau did for the Bulls? Oh, he yeah. was able to. He was able to take these guys. Uh, you know, and not essentially, you know, these exact guys on the roster currently, but he's taken, well, like he's like, taken similar no-name like, guys and and brought them to start them and and got some of them, you know, really big contracts for, you know, playing as hard as they did in Tom Thibodeau's system. And now look, you know, you got a guy who was able to get more out of guys that had less talent. Now you have a guy like Fred Hoiberg who has who probably has had the best roster that Tom Thibodeau you know, would have ever had, well, I mean, and he, he's gotten less out of them. Well, I mean, that's, that's I mean, I, I, Taj Gibson alluded to what you were saying uh, after the last game, in the post game, was where he said that, you know, it hurts because they have, he feels like they have won a lot of games with less talent than they have right now. And the fact that they're losing with more talent is, I mean, alarming. But, I mean, if you look at it, if you look at roster-wise, the roster is basically the same roster that Tom Thibodeau had last year. And I mean, they had to make the change. I don't. I, I didn't like to see Tom Thibodeau go because I think he was a really good coach. But at a certain point, when your team stops responding to you and you're barking, that you got to make a change. Like regardless, a, a new voice has to be has to be heard because it's not getting through. And I mean, I think it was quite clear how the Bulls' season ended last year that he had completely lost the team. Like there was no coming back from that. And the Bulls had to make that move. But I think a lot of that, a lot of that, though the rift between the organization and the coach, you know, caused. Thibodeau to be a certain way, the team to respond to Thibodeau a certain way, and I just think that the that the whole thing was just toxic. And you know, you bring in a coach like Fred Hoiberg, where you give him the same exact roster that Tom Thibodeau had, and Tom Thibodeau's roster is basically a defensive roster with a couple of offensive weapons per se, and you know, Paul Gasol, Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler, where you know the arrogance of management thinking, okay, my roster is perfect. I have a way, I have a chance of, we, we have a window of winning a championship like they tell us. With this roster, the only thing we need to do is make a coaching change. And they did that, and it's failing miserably. They, they thought they were hiring Steve Kerr is what they thought they were going to do. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> Steve Kerr, but the thing is, is Steve Kerr could have came in the same situation and had the same result. I mean, Steve Kerr walked into a situation with, Seth, you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and all those guys. He walked into that. I mean, they were a playoff team when he, when, when, you know, when he got there, and he just made them better. No, no, okay. I'm saying, you know, 
that's what the Bulls thought they were going to get. You no, know? I know. They, they were taking a, a coach in Mar- Mark Jackson, who was a defensive-minded coach, and they were bringing in Steve Kerr, who was more of a, you know, he's an ex-player just like Mark Jackson, but, you know, he was more of an analytics-type, free-flow offense-type, you know, qu- a, a quantity over quality type as well. So, you know, that's what they thought they were getting in Fred Hoiberg. Instead... You know, instead of getting said nobody a, listens to Fred Hoiberg, and they of do getting, the exact same thing they've done. In instead of getting a free flowing offense, they're getting an offense that scores ninety points. Yeah, worse, and gives up one hundred and fifteen. Worse than the defense is worse, and the offense is worse than Tom Tom Thibodeau. And you know, it's 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 one of those things, though. It's like you know, you 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 can't you can't you can't be at arrogant as an organization to think that your roster as constructed because as constructed as a championship roster when you make a coaching change and not change anything else. That's telling me that they believe that their roster is good enough. And it's clear that they made the wrong, the, the roster is, isn't good enough and they made a bad coaching because the the, co- the, co- the bill of goods that they sold the coach was one of a free-flowing offense and their team isn't built like that. It's not constructed like that. Okay, so here's my question for you then. So Because I, I think we all agree that, that management's the one that's kind of... Uh, They're dropping the ball. Up. Yeah, they've, they've messed this up. But you can't yell at Garn Pax and all of a sudden have you know your team respond after the All Star break. So if there, what is what is one thing or what is the thing that has to happen after the All Star break for the Bulls to be able to right this ship and say we're going to be able to make uh, first of all a playoff push to be in the playoffs. But if that's the case in a weaker again East, a team that doesn't have an elite team because Cleveland's been slipping here and there. A push for Eastern Conference Finals, if not there. What 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 do the Bulls have to do to be able to this season try and right the ship? What the Bulls have to do right now to to be able to make any kind of noise and not just be a one and done in the playoffs, they have to play like a team. If you if 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 you've watched any Bulls games in the last ten games, it just what it looks like out there is that players are for the most part kind of doing their own thing it, to me what it looks like they're they're kind of like on their own agenda like Jimmy Butler's trying to drop 30 points every night and you know and and, and live up to that contract cuz you know I, I I was reading a story that he kind of it, not that he regrets signing a max contract cuz you know why would anybody regret that but uh he wants to live up to that to that contract and and I, I it, it kind of shows on the court because He's kind of being that black hole, that Carmelo Anthony type player where the ball doesn't move uh, once it gets in his hand. But what the Bulls have to do, like I mentioned, is they have to play as a team. They have to move the ball. They have to they have to listen to the coach. I mean, at some point they're going to have to listen to the coach and see where that takes them. So I think that's really that what that's what they're going to have to do to to make any kind of noise. If not. They might as well just keep losing and and maybe hopefully get a better draft pick. Yeah, I, I I mean, what I think the Bulls should do is they gotta they gotta the organization as a whole has to understand we are not winning a championship. The way our team is constructed as of right now, we're not winning a championship. And a step in the right direction as far as winning a championship, the first sign the Bulls are you know making decisions that are good for the team is when. You hear that there's a trade being going down where the Bulls are sending Pau Gasol to Memphis, and they're getting whatever back. I don't even care what it is. We'll take an injured Marc Gasol. I, I don't even care what it is. <laughs> I don't even care what. It is. I mean, how, how are they not on the phone 
screaming to Memphis to take Paul Gasol because Paul Gasol is going to walk or get paid a whole lot more money. Why not send them to a team that really desperately needs them? And it's where he started. Because because Gar, uh, uh, listening to a couple other shows and hearing from Bulls insiders, Gar and Pax have said that re-signing Pau Gasol is one of their top priorities next year. Yeah, I know that. And that's that's a that's a mistake. I mean, oh, yeah. Just, no, I know. I'm just that telling just you, that's, that's why you're not on the phone calling Memphis saying, please give us Vince Carter, you know, I mean, give us whatever it is so that we can at least get something back. That, I mean, that's a, that's that's a mistake, though. I mean, I, I, Jerry Reinsdorf is known for you know being a lot of things, and cheap is one of them, and also very loyal. And I think that's his loyalty is where what's killing him because John Paxson and Gar Foreman, you know, since they've been in power, you know, so yeah, they had some good draft picks, but they've also had a lot of misses. And when they're misses, they miss. It's not like they're missing like. a they miss where the guy's on a superstar. He's bad. I mean, he's flat out bad. I mean, how many guys have they drafted that aren't even in the league anymore? Teague. Yeah, I mean, that's one of them that just just jumps out jumps out at you. It's like it's like their drafting is so bad. Yes, they they've hit on Jimmy Butler. Yeah, they hit on hit on. Uh, uh, well, you don't miss on Derrick Rose. I mean, that's. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Did they draft? I'm not sure if they drafted Derrick Rose, but he was number oh. one either way. So I mean, they, they, you know, if you you screw up that, I mean, you know, but you're Portland. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it's just like you, you can't I don't know. You just you, you can't run as the zero accountability with the, with the with with this team. It's just it's 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 crazy how alarming it is. And and, you know, it, Jerry Reinsdorf has to do something about it. And I just hope that, you know, I read I read a report that uh, uh, last month, Jan, the month of January, Bulls viewing on Comcast Sportsnet dropped 30 percent. If that's not alarming to Jerry Reinsdorf, because that's money straight out of his pocket and heads don't roll. I don't know what's going to. I'm, my only hope is people stop watching even more if they're terrible, and you know they do. They have to, they're forced to do something because they're lo- starting to lose fans or lose viewership. I won't stop watching, but I I feel like it because like we said when we text, it's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's it's, it's hard. To, I mean, it's like I'm wasting my precious time to watch this garbage on the court. I mean, it's bad. I don't know. I I, I agree, with Christopher. If if you're going to do anything this year, I I know that if you need to look for trades or this or that, but really honestly, I feel like if you're going to do anything is you have to get your offense to run uh, more smoothly than it actually is. That's the biggest struggle is you have uh, – I mean, you know what's funny is you, know you what would the, not think Derrick Rose would be the one person that is really trying – Derrick Rose looks like he's actually trying to share the ball and, and, and get into other people's hands. Like, it, that has never been his M.O., and it's changed. And actually, that seems like it would be better for the team. But it hasn't because you had you know Jimmy what, Butler merge into that. You know what one of the biggest weaknesses of the Bulls is? Is if if Derrick Rose or Jimmy Butler is not on the court, they really don't have anybody who could really handle the ball. And you know, if you look at a team, you know, who's had a lot of success in the NBA recently, the the Golden State Warriors, everybody can handle the ball. Except pretty for much, at, yeah. At any given point, four out of the five players on the court can handle the ball. So I mean, that's a big. I mean, and and when Joe Keen was on the court, that was a huge thing because you know they had. Jimmy Butler could be running around a screen. He, you know, Derrick Rose could be cutting to the basket. You know, guys could be moving because Joakim Noah, not the prototypical ball handler, could handle the ball, and 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 that was a big deal. And you know, that was what made him so successful. You know, those two or three seasons ago when you know he was defensive MVP, and you know, in the running for for the actual yeah, MVP yeah, award. So, for MVP. You know, that's that's a big thing because, you know, you look at it. Doug McDermott cannot handle the ball. He gets, like, scared when he gets the ball. 
Um, Nikola Mirotic is really soft with the ball. Etwan Moore, he's pretty good. Yeah, Etwan Moore's been decent. He's, yeah. he's, he, he and maybe Bobby Portis have probably been the only two somewhat bright spots of this bowl season so far. Um, but yeah, you look at the rest of the roster. Tony Snell, he's been terrible. You know, uh, as good as Powell has been this season, I, I don't really like him having the ball, even though he's a good uh, passer for a big man. He just, I, I just feel he's a little bit too soft when for me. When Powell Gasol has to be making your threes for you, that's when you know <laughs> yeah. you're in trouble. Because Powell Gasol has been jacking up threes the past three, yes, he, four games. And, it's, and they've been going in, and that's great. But when Powell Gasol is your scoring machine from beyond the arc, Right, you you have Doug McDermott and Tony Snell, and that's what they're supposed yeah, to be the there for. Ball handlers. That's I mean that's one of the biggest improvements they need to make is guys who could dribble and guys who can handle the ball. You know when when the defense is is uh, clamping down on them. So yeah. well, going from probably one of the most disappointing teams in the NBA to one of the uh, least disappointing teams, um, or not disappointing teams, but disappointing things is uh, we're at NBA All Star Weekend right now. And with that, um, we're going to do Bro vs. Bro based on our NBA All-Star Weekend. Hey, brother. Hey, hey, oh, hey, oh, oh, hey. Is that your final answer? All right, so our Bro vs. Bro is going to be on... NBA All-Star Weekend. It's going to be on some individual players. Um, I am going to ask the question. I left one of them on here that's much more difficult, but only because I think you two will know it. Um, and as we go through, uh, Carmen, if you want to answer, um, you say Carmen. Chris, you want to answer? Chris, he's a little bit more difficult than the softballs you guys have been getting thrown up because I haven't been able to be here for a while. So um, I'm uh, putting you all to the test. So you guys ready? Got a little background music? We're ready to yep, roll. ready. Alrighty, question number one. Somebody keep score for me because I'm not going to be able to pay attention. Um, be unbiased, don't cheat. Uh, ready? This former NBA All-Star and head basketball coach on the NBA Saturday morning show Hangtime is one of the only four players to lead four different NBA franchises in scoring per season. Who is he? Christopher. Yes. Grant Hill? Correct. Nice. You got it? I said incorrect. Oh, incorrect. incorrect. That I was not correct. Was right. no, no, incorrect. I, I don't know. Nothing? Reggie Theus. Oh. I figured you guys know because he's on the Bulls. All right. Question number two. Amazingly, this future NBA Hall of Famer is the only player to have led his franchise in scoring during the decade of the 90s and still playing during last season. This Christopher. Is the yes. Kobe Bryant. Incorrect. You finished the question? Who is he? Repeat it. Amazingly, this future NBA Hall of Famer is the only player to have led his franchise in scoring during the decade of the 90s and still playing during the last season. Uh, Tim Duncan. Incorrect. It is Kevin Garnett. Oh, good one. KG. That was pretty good. Um, number three. Since 1980, what former military veteran holds a record for... Yes. David Robinson. Correct. The Admiral. Number four. Since 2000, this player led his Eastern Conference team in scoring for the most number of seasons. Who is he? Christopher. Yes. Paul Pierce. Correct. Oh, nice. All right, number five. What player holds the record for collecting the highest salary in one season? Christopher. Yes. Gilbert Arenas. Incorrect. 
Carmen. Yes. Richard Lewis. Incorrect. <laughs> uh, Michael Jordan. Oh, I was going to say 33.1 million in 97-98. Um, number six. What Hall of Famer is the only NBA player to score at least 1,000 points or more in a season during the entire decade of the 90s? Score at least 1,000 points or more in a season during the entire decade of the 90s. Carmen. Yes. Tim Duncan. Incorrect. Got a free shot. Can you repeat the question one more time? Yes. What Hall of Famer is the only NBA player to score at least 100 points or more in a season during the entire decade of the 90s? Michael Jordan? Incorrect. The mailman, Carl Malone. I didn't know he was a Hall of Famer already. Yes. Yeah. All right. Number seven. What's the uh, score, by the way? Two, two nothing. Two nothing. Two nothing. Yeah. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar holds the record for most All-Star game appearances by a center with 13. What former center slash Chris, slash Chris Jackson teammate currently has the second most All-Star appearances? Christopher. Yes. Wilt Chamberlain? Incorrect. Shaquille O'Neal. Correct. Shaq. He has nine. Number eight, since the 2010-2011 season, what player leads the NBA in scoring? Christopher. Yes. Kevin Durant. Correct. All right, you got to get both these to be able to tie, Carm. All right. Uh, number nine, I about read the answer. What current NBA coach who is struggling mightily holds the record for appearing in the most playoff games? Which is his questions from last year. So what not current NBA coach? Well, he was. Carmen. Yes. Mark Jackson. No. Maybe he is still. I might have thrown you off with that. Maybe he is still, so I don't know. Can you repeat the question? (laughs) Sorry. My brain didn't want to work on this one. What current NBA coach who is struggling mightily holds the record for appearing in the most playoff games? Oh. Can I repeat that? No, I don't think it counts. If he gets gets it wrong, I'll give you another shot. Because I really screwed up that one. Uh, I'm going to say Phil Jackson. Incorrect. Derek Fisher. Derek Fisher's correct. What was the question? Just because is Derek Fisher still coaching? No, he got fired. No, he got fired. That's what I meant. I, it says on here current, and I was wrong because this is from last year. So that's well, why. No, I, I mean, it's, just, it's only wrong for about two weeks. Yeah. So, but that's why I was saying. So I get that right. point. Yes, you get that point. It's three to two. Wrong. All right. Last one. Get the music. Keep it going. Come on. Um, here we go. Since 1985, M. Michael Jordan and Allen Iverson hold nine of the top ten spots in terms of most points. In a playoff game, what NBA Hall of Famer and known gambling addict holds the other? Christopher. Yes. Charles Barkley. Correct. Ooh, good one. He had 56 in 1994. So that is four to two. Christopher. Congratulations. The best. I'm Luigi. Number one. Do you want my other one? Sure. Last one. What two players competed five different times in slam dunk contests between 84 and 90? Uh, Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins. Incorrect. One of those is correct. Dominique Wilkins yep. and Larry Nance. Clyde Drexler. Clyde Drexler. Oh. Clyde Drexler. I, I was going to say Clyde Drexler instead of Dominique, but... Nope. Dominique and Clyde. So, nice job, guys. That was good. Thank you for taking Carmen down a peg. Now his Super Bowl Panthers stuff isn't as, uh, <laughs> as prominent <laughs> in there. Um, so, hey, so we uh, make sure that uh, if you like everything that we're talking about or anything we're talking about, or even if you don't, 
Uh, make sure to follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Scrap City Sports um, so you can tell us how bad we suck or how much you like it, whatever that may be. Um, but Christopher does an awesome job up on the Twitter. Uh, Carmen handles Facebook. Do a great job of uh, getting stuff out there. Um, so make sure that you follow us on Facebook or on Twitter at Scrap City Sports. Um, and you can also check us out at ScrapCitySports.com. Check out some of the bios, all the old podcasts, um, and see what your favorite parts are. Let us know. Uh, we're going to hit some uh, hockey here because that is a little bit of a bright spot here in Chicago. Just a little a bit. Little bit so, huh? A little bit, huh? A little bit. bit. It's better than... Uh, better it's probably than... the only thing we have to cheer for currently. So, but uh, the but the Blackhawks have been on a little bit of a, a little bit of a slide. They've they've taken a couple of losses here. So yeah, they they've lost two in a row. Um, which is which is it's it's awesome that you're able to say that's a little bit of a slide for them. <laughs> yeah, well, but uh, you know, actually, you know, the game against Dallas yesterday was was a little bit of a uh, of a stinker because you know it, there was a lot there was a lot on the line. It, it could have been a, a pretty big statement game for the Hawks. Um, you know, they could have, they could have gave themselves a little bit more separation from, from the stars as well. Cause, uh, going into yesterday, they were only up three points on the Dallas stars for, uh, for the, you know, for the first, um, they're the top seed, uh, in the Western conference and, and, you know, with the loss it brought, you know, Dallas within to within one. So, you know, giving, giving, uh, giving themselves a four point swing, you know, with the loss instead of the win. You know, puts themselves in in jeopardy of maybe sliding uh, sliding a bit in the standings. But um, you know, I, honestly, the game yesterday, um, there was a they 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 knew that they had they had to have known because I know, and I'm not a professional hockey player, um, even though I like to think I am. But but uh, they had to know, you know, after after Saturday's you know butt kicking of Dallas in Dallas, um. You know, five to one result. They it was just it was it was an utter just a stomping of the Dallas Stars um, on Saturday. They had to know that coming back to the UC, playing against a, a hungry Dallas team. You know that up until that that stomping that the Blackhawks gave them was playing really good hockey. They they had to know they were going to come out firing, and the Blackhawks just were kind of sleeping for the first two periods for the most part, and then and then which in typical Blackhawk fashion. They decided to start playing in the third period, and uh, they made it interesting. But they wound up getting, uh, they were getting blown out, and then they wound up creeping a little bit back and wound up losing four to two. But um, I think a big part of this little skid here is uh, for the big hole that uh, Artemi Panarin has left in the lineup and in the second uh, second the line. man. Yeah, so I mean, you just you, now you kind of see how important he has been to that second line, and and you know. He's honestly, he's actually in the race um, for for total points in the NHL. I think he's ranked number five right now uh, in total points, which is pretty remarkable considering he is a KHL transplant uh, and 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 for the most part a rookie uh, in the NHL. So it's uh it's it's quite remarkable the production that he's been able to put up and and how much the team actually misses him in his point production because if you look at it, I mean pr- I think. Uh, Probably they they've averaged in the last ten games. Blackhawks have averaged uh, four and a half goals. So and that's with obviously with Panarin in there. And then the last two games they they've scored a combined two goals. So um, getting shut out against uh, against the Sharks and then losing to Dallas uh, four to two. So you know there's obviously a little bit of 
firepower missing uh, with that. But, you know, I still think and I'm still pretty confident in this, even though i am been a little long-winded here, but I, I apologize for that. Um, don't apologize. If this was a playoff series, I don't think the <laughs> Dallas Stars have, have a shot because, you know, they, they I, I just don't think they have that. They don't have that, like what the Blackhawks have. They don't have that, that killer instinct. They don't have that gritty, tough, you know, with three minutes left in the third period, you know, down, you know, down or up, uh, you know, goal. Can they hold on? Can they come back and win? I don't think they have that. I mean, they have good players, yes, and they're not. I'm not saying that they're a bad team. It just they're not playoff tested like the Blackhawks are, and and that 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 means a lot, you know, outside of outside of ability. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you. So let me ask you this: What did you? Um, I, I I know what you thought, but I want to know your opinions on. The fact that the rule of missing the all-star game. It's stupid. That you have to. Okay, so I'll play devil's advocate. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to know more than just that, but I'll play devil's advocate afterwards. So so what are your thoughts on on that? Well, uh, okay, I understand. So exp- explain it to any, any of our, our Bulls listeners that are drowning their sorrows and don't. Don't, uh, don't watch hockey. <laughs> well, for starters, then shame on them because they're probably missing one of the most exciting sports uh, in all of sports. That's It's true. Playoff hockey is pretty awesome. I, I, I have to admit that. And but, I, I'm not um, a hockey guy. So. I mean, you know, Jonathan Taves and, and Alexander Ovechkin missed, uh, missed the, the All-Star game due to injuries and illness. And, uh, and, you know, like everybody knows, they got fined. Uh, or not fine. They got suspended uh, one regular season game, and I think they got. I think it was without pay, so there was a fine, of course, um, with that. But you know, they get suspended for one game. The one game after the All Star break, um, you know, in the regular season, and uh, and you know, they both had to serve it. So I think the rule is stupid for the simple reason that you know, listen, there's not a lot of times where, let's say. You know, you're a transplant in in Phoenix, and you're a Blackhawks fan. How many times a year do you know the Blackhawks go to Phoenix or go to New York or whatever? If you're a fan of a different team in that city, more than likely they only come there probably once, maybe twice a year. And not to mention, it's not cheap and affordable to go to you know multiple sporting events you know every year. Or so. Not a lot of people can afford it. So the one time you got to buy it, you know, you go to buy a ticket for, you know, let's say the Washington Capitals or the Chicago Blackhawks, and you're going there to see Alexander Ovechkin or Jonathan Taves, and they're not there because the NHL find them because they couldn't physically play in the All Star game is just ridiculous. But um, okay, so here's my here's my devil's advocate on that. Just just trying to think out why why you'd even do this. So let's say instead you have uh, you know your top stars that say. I just I don't want to I don't want to do it, and so instead of you know that they're able to say why well, I just don't want to <clears throat> I'm sick I don't I don't want to be there. If you don't have that rule, doesn't that allow for people to just say well it's just one more opportunity for this to happen that to happen I don't want to be there and do it, and it takes away from being an actual all star game versus being the best players that may want to be a part of this. Well, I mean I, I think it's kind of. It's kind of like all the all the professional sports, you know, all star games or Pro Bowls or whatever. It's not really it, it's not it's not it's not smiled upon by the players because you know look at the Pro Bowl. There was there was 133 invites this season to the Pro Bowl, and you know there's only I think 
87 players that actually, you know, are, are suited up to play. So there's, you know, there was 50 something. Yeah, alternate after alternate after alternate. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, it, it's, and, and, and the NBA too, we're just, I just read a report right now that Chris Bosch is bowing out of the all-star game for undisclosed reasons. Um, you know, so, you know, it is what it is type thing. Give them a fine and call it a day. You don't need to suspend anybody. I mean, it's not like, it's not like they're missing game seven of the, of the NBA finals or game seven of the Stanley cup finals or they're the super bowl, you know, because they have a cough and they don't want to get hurt or anything like that. So, you know, what's the big deal? It's an exhibition game. It doesn't count anyways. So imagine what I, what I think is ludicrous in this whole thing is the fact of the NHL is the only sports league to do this whole, like, we're going to find and suspend you if you don't make the All-Star game. Football doesn't do it, obviously. Baseball doesn't do it. Basketball doesn't do it. But hockey does. And hockey is the one sport where guys leave it all out on the ice. Blood, sweat, tears, everything on the ice. Like, I mean, guys are getting teeth knocked out and they don't miss a shift. Guys are getting broken hands and broken fingers and broken this. We've mentioned this before. Guys are having strokes and they still want to come back out and play. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like hockey's the last... I mean, so if a guy says... A guy like Jonathan Tate says he can't play, he probably can't play. Like, it's not like he's deciding to go to the Bahamas and hang out for three days. He can't play hockey. And post pictures on Instagram with a... <laughs> with yeah, the pina I mean, colada like, in his hand. It's crazy to me that... The, right in the that banana they, boat. Yeah. That they go ahead and, you know, find them and have, even have that rule when hockey's the last sport that needs it. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it for football. Do it for baseball. I mean, basketball, I think they all show up because it's a big celebrity thing. But, you know, those two sports, they have trouble getting people to go to the All-Star game. Well, football, you can't really suspend somebody because that's they only have 16 games. I mean, it's totally Next different. season. Yeah, suspend for a preseason game. They'll be happy about no, that. They don't want to go to season game. I mean, you could, you could, you could, you could do it. I mean, you could do it. I think, I think it's, I think it's dumb. I, I agree. I think that, I think that just fine them. And Actually, if, if any of the sports are gonna are gonna suspend anybody, it would be the NFL. <laughs> you know, because the NBA, you don't really hear anybody getting suspended. You know, outside of. Oh you know, right, yeah, because just you're saying based on the fact that they suspend so many people. Right, there's so many suspensions for everything. You know, I would think the NFL would be the the, the sport to do it, um, but yeah, it's just it's just dumb. I mean, I think I think it's a unanimous vote that the whole suspension thing is dumb. I mean, yep. I mean, I'm sure the players wouldn't. Uh, I think they would rather pay a fine and be able to play than than have to get suspended without pay and and you know have kind of for the most part their name. Drag through the mud. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, yeah. not a lot, of course, because nobody. Like I said, like Carmen said. Nobody's discounting, you know, Jonathan Taves and Alexander Ovechkin reason for not playing. Yeah, they're tough. You know, I'm sure they were, I'm sure they were they had they had legitimate reasons not to be there. So Yeah. So all right, well we uh we get to end everything we always do with a little thing called mic time where each of us gets about a minute or so to to talk about whatever we want and so um, we're going to hit up our mic time and I'm going to make Carmen go first cuz that's what I'm going to do. So Carmen, you get some mic time. Go for it. Uh, I don't know if anybody's seen that uh, ESPN put out that top 100 list of greatest basketball players of all time, and for the, I mean, for the most part, I agree with the list. I mean, I think there's some tweaks in rankings. I mean, I don't think LeBron James, where he's at number three, should be at number three, and you know what? But one of the, my biggest gripes with this list is the fact of where Kevin Durant versus Scottie Pippen is. Kevin Durant on this list is ranked, where is he? He is 22, and Scottie Pippen is, where's Scottie? Scottie Pippen is where? 20, Scottie Pippen is 25. Only three spot difference, but 
I mean, Scottie Pippen is a six-time NBA champion, all-defensive team, you know, hot, efficient scorer while playing with one of the greatest players of, while, while playing with the greatest player of all time. He, he was able to accomplish all this stuff. And I just feel like having Kevin Durant above Scottie Pippen at this point is ludicrous. And the other one that I also disagree with is where, uh, where do they have, um, Steph Curry. Steph Curry at number 23, I think is crazy too. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's, he's, he's a great player and he's going he, he may end up, you know, number one, number two, number three. I mean, if all goes well, but I mean, to put him in the top 100 greatest players at this point and being number 23 with really only playing at this level, a season and a half is kind of crazy to me. I mean, it's just way too premature. Let him, let him do it for three or four seasons and let's see how it goes. You know but, what's kind of crazy is how Steph Curry two years ago could have been out of the NBA really easily with those two surgeries on his ankle, on the same ankle. Yeah. I mean, it's just... And now I, all of a sudden, he's just the... The he's, best he's player. like a godsend to basketball. Yes. You know? Which is kind of funny that, you know, like you hear like younger kids now like talking about how great Steph Curry is. And it's like, do you even know... Michael Jordan. Do you, have you ever have you ever witnessed? Them? Yeah, but can you imagine people? I mean, that they probably said the same thing when you know we were younger, saying, "Oh my gosh, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan." They're probably saying, "Have you ever even seen, you know, Wilt Chamberlain?" You know, I'm sure it's the same thing. I mean, no, you I know, know you have just, you have a player come along every so often that it's actually kind of special because you know, think about it, LeBron James. As much as we all hate him, is a phenomenal athlete and phenomenal player, and Steph Curry too. I mean. You have two phenomenal, hopefully future Hall of Fame basketball players playing at the same time. I think that I think though what, what bodes well for Michael Jordan versus other guys is just the fact of like he was in an era like you know you go with the White Will Chamberlain argument, but Will Chamberlain also allegedly played you know against six you know five foot white dudes and he's a seven foot black guy. So <laughs> I mean he a tendency to dominate just based on height and basketball is really high. Where Michael Jordan played with other great players at the same time and dominated so. Yeah, I don't know. I, so I I go with Jordan, but who's who's up next for mic time? My mic time is 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 just my utter embarrassment and disappointment in the Chicago Bulls. To be honest with you, I mean, I am probably I mean not to discount either of you, but I eat, sleep, read, watch. You know, I'm I, everything about the Bulls. I I am all about, and it just is disheartening. I mean, and I I haven't done this in a while, but. You know, not even watching the fourth and third quarters of games, it's just like okay. You know, in the Atlanta, that that Atlanta game, um, what was that on Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever yeah. it was. Uh, at, at halftime, Bulls were down by five, and I was just thinking to myself, how were they only down by five? I'm like, this is gonna get ugly quick, and, and it did, and it did. But um, yeah, I'm just one of those Bulls, uh, Bulls hopefuls, and I just you know trying to hold on to any glimmer of hope that we possibly have. So. Just trying to hopefully right this ship and and maybe move towards some better things here. Well, as uh, as you're very sad about uh, your stuff, my mic time goes to my Iowa Hawkeyes, who oh were you can be upset. You you can say it all you want. They're um, fourth in the nation in basketball. Um, all four now five losses. They just lost last night to Indiana, number twenty two. But all five losses uh, are top twenty five teams. So they have five losses, and those five losses have only come. From twenty five, uh, from teams in the ranked top twenty five, um, and there's six top wins. Uh, they have four top twenty five wins and six top fifty wins. They have zero. How about this? They have zero losses outside the top thirty. That's a pretty good record. Yeah. yeah so if you're going to comparing to the football schedule, it's way better. Oh yeah, way better. I, yeah. And I think that the positive thing to, 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 to basketball is at least you they have a, a equal shot 
just like other 64 teams of winning a championship. Yeah. So, uh, no so voting, no nothing. So it's straight up. Fran, 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 my man is doing a great job there, uh, with, uh, with Jock and, uh, all those other guys. So, uh, very proud to be a Hawkeye. Um, and, uh, and that's good. So I know that you guys aren't big college basketball guys, but whatever. So. And uh, the Walking Dead starts again Sunday, so yeah, kind of excited about that. Okay, real quick, I'm not <laughs> going to spoil anything. And if if you haven't watched, if I'm I'm ending this real quick, if you have not watched uh, Making a Murderer, that is something you need to watch. You need to get a Netflix account that's free for a month if you just sign up for it and then cancel it afterwards. You need to get it. You need to watch. It's ten episodes. Your first episode, you're going to be like, that's kind of interesting. And by the third one, you're going to be screaming and yelling and throwing. Whatever you have at your TV, it is it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's must watch TV. It is a must watch thing, and and that's where we'll leave it. If you want to hop on social media, follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Scrap City Sports. Let us know about all that kind of stuff. Uh, but for Carmen and Christopher, I am Josh, and we will see you next time. He shot over three hundred percent. Hey, what's going on? The ice doesn't belong in here. It belongs out there. You, what, what, what you three jabronis are leaving out here? If you smell what the rock is cooking. You want to see all your hamburgers right now? What? Lock your doors, lock your windows. I'll be coming to your house with your hamburgers. You the frozen ones. I'll find them and I'll eat them. Because I am the hamburger. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Hey, you very good. See you next time. That's all, folks. Au revoir. I'll feel the same. Ciao. Ding dong day. Get the hell out of here.